Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do, we do thank you. Uh, Father, your name is to be hallowed. God, it's holy. It's to be set above all other names. God, because you, you, you tell us you, you, that, that um, it's at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But, but God, I, I ask as we've tried uh, to, and maybe we haven't tried. Maybe it's just kind of crept up on us. We've, we've gotten so busy with life that we don't intentionally push you out, and we don't intentionally uh, um, quench the, the, the spirit, but it's happened. Uh, God, I, I pray today as we're going to talk more about um, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and his work, that uh, he comes alive in us, and we allow him to come alive in us so we can understand that it's okay to celebrate. It's okay to do what it is you tell us to do, to uh, rejoice in the day in which you've given us. So God, in the next few minutes, we, I, my, my prayer is that you, you allow me to put my, my box aside, uh, the things that I know that I need to do and to get, to get accomplished, that they don't, they, they don't matter at this moment. But what matters at this moment is I can focus on you. What I need at this moment is just to hear from you. I don't need any other thing. No matter what my body's telling me, no matter what people tell me, I don't need anything else other than you to satisfy my soul. So God, it says that if we delight in you, that you'll give us the desires of our hearts. God, let us delight so we can desire you. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, we're going to continue in our, uh, our, our look into um, uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2, but primarily, but looking at the Holy Spirit and, and who he is and what he does. Um, and it's just, this is just a, a, a look at, and I, that's what I kind of titled today. Um, today's message is really like, you know, filled by the Spirit is what we're going to be talking about. But it's just a look at this. We're not going to go into deep theological explanations or anything like that. Uh, but what I want us to do is kind of um, uh, continue on from where we started last week. And we started last week with, with saying it's all right to celebrate. And actually, we're, too, we're, we're, we're supposed to celebrate um, in God's house. Uh, and, and, and it felt at times last week I was kind of pulling a little bit. And I, 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 want, to, I want to say an amen. Uh, in the elders meeting this week, we were determining if dilly dilly is, a, is an appropriate um, response to something good. Nope. No, no, no one, no one got that. See, hey, at least Miss Stephanie got it, and it's a commercial, right? Anywho, any response, God's word, it says that it will not return void. And I'm not saying this going on and it's just kind of settling, but it commands a response. Sometimes that response is just, mm-hmm. I love Miss Stephanie. She does it a lot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think I'm in trouble if it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on what it, what it is, no, but, but it, it, it demands a response, just like the gospel uh, demands a response. A non-response is a response. Uh, I, I think that, that, that what I want us to continue on is, um, in is, is thinking uh, like the, uh, the, the, the Westminster Catechism starts out. The first article in the Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and to enjoy him forever. We are to enjoy God. God has given us, just, just think about this. Did God have to make ice cream taste so good? Or did God have to make filet mignon that it just, it's like dances in your mouth, right? Did he have to do that? Did he have to give us taste buds? 
No, but he, he gave that to us for a reason for us to enjoy. And there, there's many other things that you can put into that as well. We're, we're created to enjoy what God has given us. And, and, and we glorify him the most when we, when we take our satisfaction in him, when we delight in, in him and what he has given us. So he's given us a sense of, of smell and of sight and of hearing and of, of taste and of touch. You know, he's given us that for a reason. So part of the, 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 this um, enjoyment, this celebration, is kind of just an, an acting of what we're supposed to be doing. Let me read to you um, Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, to kind of help us uh, get into to the, the mood, whatever you want to call it. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of what? Joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Just, just look at just that psalm, and, and there are many others like that. It, it says, in your presence there's what? Fullness of joy. And, and, and here's, at the end of the day, it's not that I, I produce joy or we produce joy, and, and it's not that, that, and hear me on this, it's not that God produces joy in our life. He ushers us into his presence, and in his presence, there's fullness of joy. So it's not, and, and hear me on this, because I think that we can kind of get the cart before the horse sometimes. It's not that we're seeking joy. What we need to do is we need to seek God, because in his presence, we find joy. So if we, if we seek joy, we're going to come up uh, short in the end, because in and of itself, joy is not sustaining, is not fulfilling. It's the creator and the founder and the sustainer of joy, that is. So in his presence is a fullness of joy. And I think that, you know, we were in, uh, in Sunday school this morning talking about this a little bit, um, where it's, it's the source of our joy. It's the source of our celebration. I do not expect everybody to come in here and just be, oh, woohoo! I'm coming to church, and yay! Well, here's the deal. It's not because you're coming to church. I don't know what your view of church is. I don't know anything that, well, I shouldn't say anything. I don't know a lot of what went on in your, your background, what you think of church, what you think of, you know, the teaching, what you think of the music, all of that stuff. You know, it affects but, but what we have to understand is when we come together, our, our, our celebrating is not in, even though the, the beautiful music that comes from the stage, it's not in the music, it's not in the teaching, it's not even in the fellowship. The source of our celebration must be in understanding where we are in the presence of God. So when we come together, you can celebrate. Even, this is why you can celebrate even when you're having a crappy week. Because your fullness of joy doesn't come in your week. Your fullness of joy comes from God. And when we come together, that's one of the things in which we need to do is we need to remind each other of why we're here. It's not so we can swap recipes. Uh, I, everybody wants my chili recipe because I won the chili cook-off last week. You all know that. Um, it's very simple. Anywho, but it's not so we can swap out that. It's, it's not even so we can hang out. What we have to understand is why we come together is we, it, it, the Bible tells us is to um, stir one another up for love and good works. And how we do that is, is we continually encourage one another to, to look to the source and the sustainer of all joy, the source and sustainer of all life. In that, we can celebrate. It's not in, in a funny joke in which I, I, I know I got a lot of good funny jokes, but... <laughs> 
That's one of them. From the grumpy man over here, right? He got mad last week, by the way. He told me, I don't cross my arms and look like I have a sour face. Yeah, see? That was an amen over here, Dad. Um, but <laughs> it was Marty. And, and, yeah, and so... <laughs> I'll point you, I don't care. No, but understanding that, that, that our, our, our joy comes from the Lord and what we need to do is when we come together, we need to stir one another up to say, hey, let's focus on God, no matter what's going on, no matter what's going on in our life. And, and I think that, that if anyone says, I can't do that, um, you're limiting the power of God. And it's not that, that, that you're holding back God. You're, you're, you're limiting God's power because he's choosing to let you limit his power. Because what, what we do, that's called um, quenching the spirit or grieving the spirit. We're going to talk about that maybe next week or the week after. Um, but it's God loves us enough, and I don't understand this completely because I know I'm jacked, but God loves us enough to, to give us what we want at times. And, and what we want is not always the right thing. And when we are in one of those moods, when we isolate ourselves, what happens is God says, fine, you want to do that? This is where that free will everybody talks about comes in. Here, you want to do that? You're going to see that that's going to be a dark place in which you're going to end up. But then when we break through that, we understand, well, no, I don't want to. I don't want this. I want to let the Spirit reign in my life, control my life, and we'll see that here in a minute. But control, control me. I want to be, as the Bible says, filled with the Spirit. And there, there, there's a difference here. I'm not going to go all, uh, all you know, jump off the, the wagon. We're not going to go crazy and everything. But what I want to do is I'm going to answer four questions today, hopefully. And in those four questions, I hope that we get a better understanding of what it means to be filled with the Spirit and how that affects your life. Because if you say, I'm filled with the Spirit and my life isn't affected, I'll say, you're a liar and it's because the Bible says that. Now, now you can be indwelt with the Spirit, we're going to see, and have no effectiveness because you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So the first question in which we are going to, um, going to look at, and if you want to open to Acts chapter 2, we'll get there uh, eventually, um, but we will get there. The first question that I want to, um, to, to look at is, what does being filled with the Spirit mean? Because I, I think, and I'm not insulting anybody's intelligence here, because you all are intelligent individuals, uh, you all are probably smarter than I am, okay, but I think that what we've, we've been told wrong throughout, uh, if you've grown up in church, I think there's a lot of, of misconception of what it means to be filled with the Spirit or indwelt with the Spirit and, you know, whatever. I think that it's important to kind of to, to, to draw some lines here. And, and, I, and to answer this question of what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit, it's, un, it, it's important to understand that there's a difference between um, being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, so... Hear me out on this. Look at Acts chapter 2, um, verse 38, real quick. And we're going to go back and read a whole bunch more. But just in verse 38, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. That's going to be another sermon here um, in a few weeks. Um, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Stop there. This is where I want us to, to focus on here. 
Because it, it, it can be misconstrued that, well, um, the, the, the day of Pentecost shows that the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell the, the, the believers when they believe in Jesus. It's a, uh, you know, it's a second uh, uh, happening or whatever. Well, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is a, spe- a special situation. It was used by God to, to emphasize what was taking place. Because from this day on, what we see is there's only one other um, instance where it, it says that uh, the Holy Spirit um, indwelled the believers after, you know, they've, after they've believed, and that's with Cornelius. But at this point, what we have to understand is uh, what, what Peter's saying is from this time on, when you ask for forgiveness, when you repent of your sins, when you are transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to you. That is what, that is what is, that's what is meant when we talk about being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Every believer of Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Those are not my words. You look in in Romans chapter 8. It says if you don't have the spirit of Jesus inside you, you're not a believer. So so understand that that, that there is a a clear indication. If the spirit is inside of you, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why we don't have to wonder. I I, I wonder if. No, it's clear in Scripture. But it says when we transfer from the domain of darkness, when we... um, uh, John, Jesus uses the, the words uh, born again in, in John chapter 3, when, and that actually better translated born from above. When we're born from above, our, our, our second births, our spiritual birth, at that point, we are then indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Now, when we say, when, when I'm saying that we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you get like, you know, 15% of the Holy Spirit, and then he kind of grows inside of you. Notice I said he, we've talked about that. The Holy Spirit is a he, it's not an it. The Holy Spirit, it's not as if you get only 25% of the Holy Spirit and then he grows inside of you. No. When you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Christ, when you receive Christ as your Lord and your your Savior and your Lord of your life, you get 100% of the Holy Spirit. This is, where, this is where we have to kind of now, I'm going to explain the difference here because when, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit is when the Holy Spirit has 100% of you. So understand that, that, that when, when the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, when he comes into us, when we're indwelt with the Spirit, we get 100% of the Spirit. The question is, does he have 100% of you? That's the difference here, and, and um, when, we, when we look at this and we talk about being filled with the Spirit, there are, are effects of being filled with the Spirit. Next week, we're going to talk about five characteristics of being filled with the Spirit, but we won't get there today. We'll kind of look at one here, and that's an effect that, that I would say the majority of you understand the, 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 uh, um, uh, the analogy here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5, because in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us something, gives us this good picture. And I think that y'all need pictures. I need pictures. Pictures are good. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says here, And do not get drunk with wine, 
for that is debauchery. Whole sermon in and of itself, getting drunk with wine. Why getting drunk with wine? Why is that debauchery? Why is that a big thing? Because he goes on to say, but, love buts, buts are big in the Bible and we need to, we need to pay attention to them. That's where Sir Mix-a-Lot got his idea. Um, duh, duh, yeah, so, but you're going to remember that. But be filled with the Spirit. What Paul is doing here is he's taking the effects and the visualness of what happens to someone when they're drunk with wine, and he's saying, this is how we should be in the Spirit. It's not slurred speech and going, all this other crazy stuff. What he is saying is we should be controlled by the Spirit. Controlled by the Spirit. A drunk person does not have control of their, of their body. I don't care how many times they, they, they say, or you say, or we say, or whatever you want to say. You say you do, you, you, you don't. You're impaired. When, we have, when the, the Spirit has full control over us, there are going to be things that we say and that we do that we don't have control over. But those things that we say and which we do are going to be glorifying to God. So, so when, when Paul gives this imagery here, and he, he's making this clear distinction of when you are filled with the Spirit, there's going to be evidence of that filling. Multiple times through the book of Acts, it talks about um, Peter. I like to, 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 to look at Peter because Peter is, is, is like me, I think, sometimes because he's got a big mouth, and he, sometimes he says things that he shouldn't and had a big transformation in his life, but there are times it says that, he's been, that Peter, full of the Spirit, he speaks and proclaims God's mighty works. There, what we have to understand is um, those times that Peter was not full of the Spirit doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't in Peter. The, 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 the Spirit dwelled, dwelt inside of Peter, like he, he's dwelling inside of us as believers, but at times, there was such a great submission to the Spirit that the Spirit led him, and, and, and his actions were a direct result of being full of the Spirit. I, I think it's important to kind of to, to, to get this, this uh, imagery right in our heads, because what I, I don't want is you to go around as a believer in Jesus Christ feeling defeated and saying, well, I don't have enough of the Holy Spirit in me. I don't have enough. I can't do this, and I can't do this. And I, You have everything you need as a child of God. What you need to do is, one, you need to quit believing the lies and believe the truth, but you need to act in that. You need to put to death the things of the flesh and live according to the things of the Spirit, it, which um, brings me to my, nec my next question. How are we filled with the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, turn there, it tells us how we are filled with the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. So then, brothers, understand, so, so then, brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? Christians, believers, all right? So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons. And, and if you look, there's a little footmark, foot, footnote there. Sons and daughters, children of God. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And one of my favorite verses here, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Answering this question, how are we filled with the Spirit? Remember, I'm not talking about being indwelt with the Spirit. I'm saying, okay, the Spirit's inside of us. Now, how do I become more filled with the Spirit? How do I let the, the, the Spirit have more of me? Paul says it here that it's, it's through putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Now, now you're like, well, what are the deeds of the flesh? It's the desires that, that, that you want, the desires that don't line up with what God wants, the desires, I, I got to have this, and I got to have this, and we got to do this, and it, it's the desires that, that, that the flesh is telling you that you need, and it says here that we're to put them to death. How, how, how do we then put them to death? Because some of you are like, well, all right, I've heard that before. I, I need to, and we use the word discipline, self-control. I need to be more disciplined. I need more self-control. I, how do I do that? Can I even do that because I'm weak? Well, the Bible says the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Exactly. The flesh is weak. We need to put, the death, to put to death the flesh. How do I do that? How can I be filled with the spirit and put the, 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 the flesh to death? Look at John chapter 16. And I hope that you're bringing all the, the, these things together here, and I think you will. Because in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus is saying here, he says, Nevertheless, I tell the truth. <laughs> like Jesus would say anything other than the truth, right? Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if, there's another one of those things, but if I go... I will send him to you. So remember, how do I put to death the flesh? The Holy Spirit's already in you. The Holy Spirit has been sent to you. He says there, he goes on in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I, I, I want to, to, to look at this for a second because... When we, add, we overcomplicate things. Anybody in here ever overcomplicate anything? Everybody better have their hand up because, I mean, if you're married, you overcomplicated that, right? <laughs> you overcomplicate overcomplicating things. You overcomplicate simplifying things, whatever. So we overcomplicate things. And we're thinking, I want to put to death. I want to put to death. I want to put to death the flesh. Okay, I got to do, what do I got to do? I got to, okay, I got to come up with a system. I got to come up with a list. I got to, type A, right? But that's not how you do it. You need to be guided by the Holy Spirit in what? In what? Truth. That's it. You, you, you just have to look at what is true because if you believe the truth and don't believe the lie, you are going to naturally, as a natural outcome, put to death the things in your life that are of the flesh because the flesh will lie to you. Because we have three enemies, the world, the devil, and the flesh. There's lies that we're believing. What we need to do is we need to focus on the truth. How do we focus on the truth? Well, it says that the Spirit's going to guide us in the truth. So don't think, sit here and think, well, you know what? I can't 
I mean, I'm never going to be filled with the Spirit. You can be and you will be filled with the Spirit when you focus on and believe the truth and follow after the truth and you, you don't believe the lies. And the outcome's going to be, you will be putting things to death. And, and I love to have this conversation with people because uh, it's hard to see your own progression sometimes. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I just don't think that I'm where I need to be, and I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a crappy Christian. Well, it's better than a cranky Christian, but I'm just a crappy Christian. And Well, here, let, let's look. Let's look at where you were, and let's look at where you are. You've made progress here. What we have to understand is sometimes when we're, when we're believing the truth and we're not believing the lies, sometimes it's, it's obvious the, the outcome is, is completely obvious. But other times, when we're believing the truth and we keep believing the, the, the truth, the, those lies kind of just slide away and, and they, they fade away and we don't even know it. We don't even pay attention because we're so focused on the truth. Sometimes what we need to do is we just need to just stop and just reflect. Just reflect on, okay, look where you're at, look where, where you were and understand that, that you're making progress. God has started a work inside you that he says that he's going to bring to completion. He's going to bring to completion. How does he bring it to completion? Through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that dwells in you. Pretty powerful. Third question. What does it look like? Or what does being filled with the Spirit look like? What does being filled with the Spirit look like? Does that mean that I'm going to go, and go crazy, or I'm going to walk around all the time with a smile? And No, I, I, I don't think so. I think it, it's, it manifests. And when I'm saying it, I'm not saying the Spirit. I'm saying the outcome manifests different in, in, in people. The, the, the Spirit of God manifests himself depending upon your gifting, your opportunities, and your skills, and all this other stuff. He's manifested different. But I think that we can look at um, Peter again there in chapter 2 of Acts, and we can see we can see an example of what being filled with the Spirit looks like because we know at this point that Peter is filled with the Spirit. And remember that illustration that Paul uses about being drunk with wine? Don't be drunk with wine because it's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Kind of goes along with this because all the people around the apostles at this time are thinking, well, they're drunk. And Peter's like, no, it ain't so. He says, verse 14, but Peter, man, I love that. I'm going to get a big tattoo of butt. B-U-T. On my B-U-T-T. Um, hey, I'll wake you up one way or another. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. He's saying it's only nine o'clock in the morning. I know it's five o'clock somewhere, but it's only nine o'clock in the morning. They ain't drunk. Now, it, it, he goes on to say, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Pause there for a second. Because if we ask, what does being filled with the Spirit look like? We look here at, at, at Peter, 
And, and maybe, maybe this is subtle for some. Maybe others really understand this. When it says here that Peter, standing with the 11, if you don't know, if you don't know who Peter was before being filled with, being indwelt and then filled with the Holy Spirit, if you don't know who he was, this text really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes some sense. But it says here, standing with the 11. Peter, let me just kind of bring you back. Some of you are like, I don't get it. But you will in a second as soon as I refresh your memory. Peter is, is the one, when Jesus w w was taken away uh, to trial, Peter was the one, remember Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the, the rooster crows twice. Peter's the one where the servant girl came up to him and said, hey, wait, aren't you with him? I don't even know who that is. Three times this happened. So, so remember, so the, the coward Peter denied who Jesus was to a servant girl. But now, what's happening? He's standing in front of thousands of people. Something took place, right? Something amazing, some kind of, some, some, some kind of transformation here. But Peter's standing with the eleven, and now it says he lifted up his voice. Remember, servant girls, he's saying, no, I don't even know who Jesus is. Now he's standing in front of people, and he's lifting up his voice. And it says he addressed them. This lifting up his voice and addressing them is, is, is akin to, like, me standing up here and preaching. He's not going up, um, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me. No, it, it, it's akin to having Miss Stephanie whistle real loud, and then, all right, now that I got your attention... It's understanding that he had now has something that he didn't have before. He had boldness. He had boldness to proclaim God's mighty works. And this is where some of us kind of at times are like, man, I don't have the boldness to do that. You can. And I'm not saying that everybody has to stand up here and everybody has to be like Peter and, and, and proclaim to thousands and thousands of people. That's why I said that the, the, the Spirit is manifest in, in each one of us a little bit different according to our gifts, according to our talents, our, our abilities, our opportunities. But here it says that he lifted up his voice and he says, men of Judea, understand that it was these men of Judea, this, these people who were seeking out, who put Jesus to death. And we'll see later on that he actually even says that it's you that did it. It's your fault. But he says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my word. How can he say, give ear to my word? He can say, give ear to my word because he's speaking filled with the spirit and proclaiming the word of God. For these people aren't drunk, as you suppose. Why is it that when people are following the Spirit of God in their life, other people that don't have the Spirit of God always poke fun? Well, there's those crazy Christians again. Amen. What? Amen. There we go. I got one in here. He's our resident Pentecostal, though. But understand that, that when, when the Spirit of God is moving in an individual, what we, we talked about this a little bit in, in Sunday school is it's not that, wow, that's cool. We have to understand that how are we going to receive the Spirit of God moving in someone else? Are we going to be bitter like these people? Well, they're just drunk. Well, it's not happening to me. Well, maybe there's a heart condition that's going on in you. Maybe, yeah, the Holy Spirit is inside you, but he's only got like 47.5% of you because you're so 
compact and crammed with other stuff that you're not submitting to his will. Let, 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 that, be, let that be a test for y'all. For all of us, when somebody is being moved by the Spirit of God, and you can see that he's working in their lives, if your response is you're bitter towards them and you're a believer of Christ, you need to say, wait a second, it's not them, it's me that has the problem. What do I need to do? What do I need to put to death in my life so I can be full of the Spirit? Because I want to live, man, I want to live in the upper 90s. Right, the upper 90 percentile of being filled with the Spirit all, all the time. I'll tell you this, being filled with the Spirit is sometimes scary. And it's scary because it's outside of like our comfort zone. It's on the line of crazy sometimes. Paul even says, if I'm out of my mind, it's for Christ. If that's the way in which I appear, it's for Christ. Now, you have to discern if, if, if God is telling you to do something or if it's you're just kind of want to be kooky and get some attention. There's a discernment that has to take place. But if we're, if we're seeking the, the presence of God and the fullness of his joy, what we can understand is, is that the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit inside of us will just overflow, overflow. Jesus says out of the, out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart. Here we see that an example is there's going to be a visible difference. What we, do, we know about Peter is that he wasn't always like this. He wasn't always standing up and preaching. At times he was, and it says that he was full of the Spirit when he did this. It didn't always happen, but it happened. What do I, why do I say that? Because sometimes we can believe the lie that if you're not always doing something for God, that you're, oh, you're, you're being a bad Christian. Understand that God's going to use you different times, different, different areas, different opportunities, whatever it may be. Don't believe the lie that, that, that you're any less or you, that you can't um, operate in the Spirit because, well, well the Spirit's being used up all, all on, on Jeremiah and Laura when they're, when they're worshiping. There's plenty of the Spirit to go around. We understand that we can be filled and we need to press into being filled with the Spirit and we will be different. Last question, because we're going, went a little bit long. Because we're going to talk about, like I said, next week, five characteristics of being filled with the Spirit. But I want to answer this question here because I think this is important. It helps us, it helps us discern those times. Is it the Spirit that's filling me or is it my own fleshly desires? What do I need to do? Why are we filled with the Spirit? Why are we filled with the Spirit of God? Now, when I ask this question, most people say, well, we're filled with the Spirit of God because it's a promise. Yeah, absolutely. But we're filled with the Spirit of God so we can become more like Christ. And I would say, yes, that, 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 that's, that's true. But there's a purpose behind that. Well, we're, we're filled with the Spirit of God so we can live a Christian life. Yes, that's true. But there's a purpose behind that. Well, we're filled with the Spirit of God so we can, we can uh, uh, reap the, 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 the rewards and the blessings of God or we can live by the, the, the fruit of, of the Spirit. Yes, but there's a purpose behind all of that. Well, I'm confused now, Lee. All right, good. Flip one page back to Acts chapter 1. Because I'm convinced of this. And, and, and I'll say, everything I talked about, I just made mention, and even more, about the effects of being filled with the Spirit and the good things that come up, those are great. 
Should those be desired? Yes, they should be desired. But what we have to understand that there's a reason Jesus sent his spirit, the same spirit that dwelled in him, the, 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 the spirit of the Christ, the spirit of God. There's a reason he sent him. And we see this in, in Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, it says, but you, man, there's another but. I didn't line that up either. That's awesome. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what? You will be my witnesses. Pause there. Why does God give us the Holy Spirit? Why does it, the, the, what does it mean? I mean, and, and how are we to, to respond? And why is it? Why is it that God gives us his spirit? To be witnesses. To be witnesses. That doesn't mean that everybody in here is going to be a, a, a Ray Comfort or a Billy Graham or a Kirk Cameron or whatever. You, 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 it doesn't mean that everybody is going to have that gifting of street evangelism and lead everybody to Christ. But he's given you the spirit He's given us the Spirit of God so our lives can be witnesses to Him in everything we do. So at the end of the day, when, when we think about it, and, and we say, and, and Paul says, like, so if the Spirit of God does not dwell inside you, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're not a child of God, there's a reason. Because only children of God can be witnesses for God. So the Spirit of God dwells inside of us so that we can witness Him to the world in whatever capacity God has given you to do that. So if you have the Spirit of God in you, understand that that is so. You can let everybody else know. What does everybody else include? It's kind of like your neighbor, right? What, what, does that, what does that, does that mean like person next to me? No, that, 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 that's, that's your, your, your neighbor, the, the, anybody you come in contact with. The, the opportunities that God gives you, you should take them. How can I take them? Why should I? Well, you, you should take them, and how you're going to take them is because you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And that's why he is there. All of those other things that happen, you becoming more like Christ and you're, 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 you're uh, being transferred from one degree of, of, of glory to the next, all of those things happen. Yes, absolutely. All of those things happen so you can be a witness to him.